Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Today, we're going to do something a little different than we've done recently. We are going to talk about a specific topic today with the three of us, the three hosts, me, Tess, and Michael. And um, what we decided would be an important thing to talk about is this idea of times in our careers where we've had kind of this transformation or transformative experience where we were in this kind of place of a bit of turmoil from a career perspective, really also a life perspective. And where we kind of went through a process of some sort and got some clarity and made a change. And so I'm excited to talk with you both about this today. I am too. I feel like we're, we're waiting in waters we haven't been in before. And, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes up for each of us and maybe some new aspects of who we are will be revealed in this episode. So it should be fun. What do you think, Michael? Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to drop a really vulnerable bomb. So you're going to have a story. <laughs> All right. Okay, looking forward to wow. that. Who knows what that's going to be? Well, do you want me to, I can start yeah. um, and I can share um more recent big change that I went through. So I was leaving um a company that I had helped co-found. And so I, I made the decision to leave and it was a really hard decision because I was very invested in the company. I loved what we were doing, but I had come to this conclusion that it was really better for me on lots of fronts um, to leave. But once I did that, I sort of got in this weird place. Um, well, it's not really weird. It's probably actually very natural as I think about it, right? Coming down from something that was so big and that was so important to me. So it took me a, quite a long time. And I'd say if in retrospect, honestly, it was about a year um, of processing things. Um, but what I did that I feel like helped me on that journey that I kind of did not in the very beginning after I had left, but pretty soon thereafter is I decided to go away by myself and I decided to just be quiet. And I've not not ever done that. I'm a talker. I'm a kind of input, you know, like lots and lots of stimulation, lots of things that I'm always doing. And to actually think about going somewhere by myself first was like a big different thing. And um, to go for a whole week was like, what are you thinking? You know, like that much time for you? What an idea. Um, but I, I, I'm so glad I did it because there was a really interesting process that I, that I followed when I got there. And, and a lot of this wasn't super thought out. It was kind of intuitive in lots of ways. Um, I decided to just go kind of be my, be by myself and not really reach out to people while I was there. Meaning this was actually like a kind of a, spa kind of place, which was, you know, of course, great privilege that I get to go do that. But um, I could have made friends. I could have talked to people, but I decided I'm not going to do that. All I'm going to do is just bring a pad of paper with me and just write and not write like judgy, right? Like 
you know, a beautiful, you know, beautiful story, right? Just, it's more like, I keep using the analogy and it's not a great one of like throwing up, right? <laughs> like throw up writing, uh, just let it out kind of writing. Um, and so it was a little bit awkward at first, but I just kind of started doing that. And before long, I was in, in it. Like I just kept letting it go, letting it go, letting it out. Um, not censoring myself, right. When I was doing it, not even, I actually have no idea where those pieces of paper are right now. <laughs> and I don't want, I don't really want to look at it. Right. Cause it was just truly the process of letting, um, letting out how I was feeling about things. And there was a lot that I was feeling as I was saying, I was feeling really kind of, um, bummed out about this, you know, this, this work that I had come from that I cared so much about that it was over. I was feeling really nervous about what was next for me. Kind of, you know, really um negative thinking about like, oh, will I ever do anything of you know that has any meaning again? Or will anybody ever want to work with it? You know, real dramatic kind of feelings that were coming out. Um, and also then just like all of these expectations and, and real responsibilities that I have and how to weigh those. Like, you know, I still have bills to pay. I have a mortgage. I have, um, you know, lots of things that I still need to, to do to, you know, be a human being and, you know, kind of make it. And I also have all of these other potential jobs. So one of the things I had was people, you know, reaching out to me to be the head of HR in other organizations. And I was feeling all of this tension, like, oh, I should go do that. That's a lot of money. Those are good. You know, it's a good title, but uh, it doesn't feel right. And I need to pay my bills. And, but I'm really sad about where I've been and what's the future for me. So it was this big fat mess right? It was a big like jumble in my head. And one minute I think one thing, another minute the next thing. So that's what was coming out when I was like throwing up on paper. Um, but something just really cool happened. And I didn't, I didn't have any expectation. I think that's one of the reasons why it probably happened <laughs> is that I didn't have an expectation. All I, my only expectation was I was going to be there for a week and be my, be by myself. But what happened is uh, day one, throwing up on paper, day two, throwing up on paper, day three, throwing up. And, you know, I'm starting very, very slowly over that process to kind of start to feel lighter, you know, like just a little bit lighter. And then on day three, um, kind of halfway through the day, I was sitting at lunch by myself, again, not really interacting with other people. And all of a sudden, my kind of hand just stopped. I I didn't have anything else to write. It was weird because I'd been writing almost nonstop before that. Um, I stopped writing and then I just kind of sat there for a minute and realized I felt exhausted. So I was really tired. So I went back to my room and said, I'm just going to take a nap and I'm going to take a nap as long as I want to take a nap. What an idea. You know, that's kind of one of those things that <laughs> I wouldn't let myself do before take naps or take it as long as I needed to take it. Um, so I woke up, I think it was, I think it was maybe two and a half or three hours, um, and I woke up and I remember the sun coming through the window of the room I was in and just all of a sudden feeling like light, feeling clear, 100% clear. And there was just very, I was very clear that no, I don't want to do the head of HR jobs and that's off the table. That's gone. And then here are four things I'm, I want to do. 
And it was the craziest thing. And so those four things, um, you know, were some things I wanted to do some more podcasting. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to teach a class and I wanted to reboot my consulting business and, you know, fast forward, but those things, each one of them slowly came to me, not out of the blue. Cause I know it's not completely out of the blue, but it felt like it like a couple of weeks later, I had a friend who uh, wrote me an email and said, Hey, you want to teach this class with me at university of Washington? I'm like, I have, you know, this team, I started doing the podcasting with this team that sort of came to reality, getting a book deal through, you know, connections that I made here, but you know, that these things all came to life. And so I guess my, I guess I'll pause there. Cause I know Tess and Michael, you've got other great examples, but I look back in that and like, Oh, wow. That was so neat. The way that happened, the way I, I feel like that time by myself, and letting myself process things. That's how it helped me so much to transform. So I have a question for you around that though, Laura, because what, why do you think it took getting away and being by yourself? Like what do you think were the influences or the voices that you were hearing before then that maybe were stopping you from getting the sense of clarity around what you needed to do next? Yeah. I think, um, I think not giving myself time to process things. I think that in retrospect now, when I, you know, working, I've always worked in pretty, um, like high tech, very fast paced organizations with really high expectations that I wanted to meet or exceed, right? Like I was part of the game, part of the cycle. And I, looking back and realizing, gosh, I, I did so much without really time to, think and reflect and to process. And so in some ways, that's just not, in many ways, I guess you could say, not very human, right? To give yourself that time to just like process what is happening. Um, And so I feel like, boy, I've missed out on a lot by not processing things, you know, not, not giving myself time to let things kind of settle in for me to understand how I feel about something or how I think about something. So I just think that I've been on go my whole life. You know, I've had just this really deep desire to achieve and to do more. And, you know, as soon as I kind of started figuring out my career, I started having kids and then having, you know, that kind of additional wonderfulness, but also significant work. Um, I just hadn't given myself a chance, right. To like, just be a human being (laughs) in so many ways. I think that that gave me that. And now, I mean, without going into a ton, you know, on and on about me, um, I feel like I'm now trying to do that on a, on a daily basis, right? Like, oh yeah, (laughs) I should be a human being every day, not just carve out a week, you know, once in my life. Um, let's try to build in some, a little bit more time to process things daily, a little bit more time to reflect daily, a little bit more time to take care of myself as a human being daily. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I guess I had a very similar experience to you, um, during a a time of transition. And, um, for me, it was, and it's interesting because I think back, I had this one experience where I did the same thing you did. I went away to a yoga retreat center. I was trying to kind of figure things out. I had been in a job that on paper was a 
fantastic opportunity for me. You know, the expectation, and that's an important word, <laughs> the expectation on myself, the expectation other people had, um, were, they were very high. And again, on paper it was everything I should have wanted. So part of my struggle was why didn't I, why wasn't I feeling connected to the work? And what is it that I really want? And why aren't I really happy with where I am right now, given the fact that I should be happy, you know, based on what this opportunity is. And so for me, it was, I had a very similar experience getting away, being by myself, uh, and kind of this, for me, it was a let go, a let go of expectations, a let go of worrying, worrying, worrying. Am I making a decision that is going to be a, a very, have a very negative impact on my life long term? And I got this moment of clarity as well. Um, and again, probably it's the, I have talked about it, like my, my one God moment. Uh, I'm not a especially religious person, but it was this moment of clarity that I'm, I kind of felt like was divine in some respect that it almost it, on a cellular level, I felt like it's okay. You're supported. Just do what you need to do. Like it was just this kind of like, let it go and just do what you need to do. You are supported. It's going to be okay. It just was a sense of clarity around that piece. And even though I didn't go the next day and quit my job within about a week, I got a new opportunity that was my, actually one of my lifelong dreams, which was to become a professor. And I was able to go and, and do that. Um, similarly, I had another experience and this time it was me kind of pushing for something that just wasn't happening. You know, I was kind of pushing for a role. I was pushing for a job and it just wasn't coming together in the way that it should have. And I am one of those people who wants to please and, and try to exceed expectations and, and thinks, oh, I don't want to ever turn down an opportunity because that opportunity might be the next big thing that I want in my life. And when I, when I saw what was presented to me and I thought to myself, this isn't good. Like this doesn't help me. This helps them, but it doesn't help me. I actually, for the first time in my life, chose me instead of the opportunity. Again, defying, I think, my own expectations of myself and, and, and not doing the thing everyone expected me to do in that moment, but really choosing me to say, I can give myself some time to figure out what I need to do next. And again, another opportunity within, within days showed up at my doorstep that ended up being this wonderful opportunity for my career. And I, again, you know, was it a, was it a divine intervention? I don't know, but I do think there is something about getting quiet and really listening to your own voice around what you want that, that can make a huge impact or difference in the way that you decide to move forward. And I don't know, Michael, you said you had a vulnerability bomb. So I'm curious. I just said I had a God moment, which for me feels very vulnerable, but I would love to hear what your story is. I'm so glad that you both went first because uh, we've got these common common themes. And I know Laura is the expert at pulling out the, the common variables. Um, so just give you a little bit of background. I always worked on Wall Street. That was a childhood dream. I also had the parental and society programming that uh, money is the report card of life. Grew up with that, just thought that Wall Street. And I 
started my own company. And I had a lot of mentorship. I, I worked really hard and I was able to retire when I was 36, which, you know, the American dream. And I got, I got so depressed. I mean, like bad and went through like 24 different prescriptions. They just didn't work for me. Uh, I was doing all the self-help stuff, you know, Reiki, yoga. I was trying everything. And about four years into it, I was about 40 years old. I, I, my, my way I dealt with depression is I slept. So I was sleeping until about two o'clock in the afternoon and got up at two. It was a beautiful day. Looked out my window and it was on a lake and it's just really, really pretty. And I remember saying, if tomorrow's like today, I don't want it. And it kind of surprised me. And I was like, wait a minute, that kind of sounds like suicide. And I remember getting up and I looked in the mirror and I was like, ever since I was five years old, I want to live to be a hundred. How am I possibly going to fill in 60 years of this? I was so bored. I had no meaning. I had no purpose, no ideas. I was just spinning my wheels. And I had come from this really amazing career that I loved. And it just ended suddenly in a, you know, Wall Street scandal, nothing that I was involved in, but it hit my whole sector. So we just kind of got put out of business. And I was just really lost. And I remember going uh, outside. I, I was uh, in my, my, my cabin and went down to the beach and I looked up to the sky and I said, uh, God, I hate to be one of those people that calls on you as the last choice, but here I am. And I don't know that you should help me because I'm calling you as my last option. And then this idea came in my head and I said, if you teach me how to be happy, I'll teach other people how to do it. And I thought, did I just make a deal with God? Like, can you do that? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just like said it and I got kind of worried. Like, wait a minute. If I say I want to do this, you can't back out of it. I mean, you know, he, she, they know where you are all the time. So I said, well, give me a minute. Let me like walk through this. And, and I went walking in the woods again, alone and just thinking and no concept of time. And I really thought about it and I got my clarity. And I said, you know, the first half of my life has been living someone else's dream. I never, I never sat down and consciously thought, do I want to be this successful person on Wall Street? It was the messaging I got. It was my mom, my dad. And when I did start making a lot of money, it really just kind of complicated my life. I, I it was okay. It wasn't as great as I thought it would be. I remember just thinking to myself, like, is this it? Like, you get a fancy car and I'm just kind of worried about someone keying my car. I'm, it was just really weird. I didn't feel like I was really enjoying it. And then I got some more clarity and I thought, you know, Michael, the first half of your life has been all about you. What if the second half is all about other people? And that was when I put it together where I thought, if I could spend the second part of my life helping other people be happy, then maybe that would work for me. And late that afternoon, I went to sit by my campfire and there was this um, catalog for Harvard Extension School where you just you just sign up and take a class and just flipping through. And I saw this class called Positive Psychology and I read it. And I was like, oh, my God, that that is what I need. And I was only allowed to come in on Zoom because I was like I wasn't uh, like a, a regular student. And I appealed to the the school and I said, I really need to be in this class in person. And it turns out 
I was in Harvard's most popular class ever, 1,200 students. It was their most popular class in 500 years. And I sat front row and it fixed me. It it snapped me out of it. And basically the message I got is you need to have meaning and purpose. You need to go back to work. You need to do something and do it for somebody else. And from there, then I got into Penn to the positive psychology program. And that's how Tessa and I are now teaching the positive workplace at Harvard. And that that moment of clarity completely gave me a new path in my career. And it's exactly what I wanted. And I have enough money, not a lot, but I don't I don't spend much. So it's like I finally realized I'm living my dream, not somebody else's. And I can't believe it took me 40 years to figure that one out. But that's that was my but moment of did. clarity. <laughs> and 40 years, it could have been never, right, to figure it out. So that's that's nothing. And I, I think the idea, I love that these stories are so good. The idea, though, of this might continue, right? Like maybe this is what the point is, <laughs> is mm. that you continue to transform, right? You continue to get clear about what you need. And I really love Tess when you said choosing me, right? Like what is it that we need from our lives and how we can have intention around that and make the space to be, to get that clarity about what it should be instead of just blindly going through it, right? Instead of just being kind of a, just a, you know, being part of this cycle and not, not doing it with intention. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I do think that it's, um, I think it's a muscle. And for me, it was data. Like when I had my, that kind of first transformative moment of clarity, and that's the way I would describe it. Um, and then I saw this evidence that once I kept my, I became very open and my intention was to be like, it's, it's okay to just like not try to live up to these expectations, but it's, and I, and truly, I don't know where the expectations were coming from. <laughs> I really think it's the pressure I put on myself, but, um, but having that moment of clarity and then having an opportunity present itself that I pay, I was paying attention to. And maybe yes. that moment of clarity allows you to see more clearly when opportunities present themselves that it was data that was very positive reinforcing. And so when I had the next experience and I felt myself struggling, struggling for weeks, I was struggling to like push myself into something that there was a lot of resistance to. And I wasn't, it's like, I almost didn't want to believe it. I was like, but no, that should be the right thing for me to do next. But I was getting resistance from the organization. I should have just seen the sign um, but it wasn't until it was like really presented clearly to me of, Hey, here's a really crap opportunity for you to so work wise. You can have more work in the same pay. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. And then I had another kind of very clear moment and an opportunity. And it was more data that positively reinforced that if, if you get quiet, if you get clear, if you're intentional, and if you really think about what it is that you want, you need, then the opportunities present themselves. And, and I think that it is something that I expect to probably, I hope happen again, you know, a few more times in the future. You know, what I'm seeing is the, um, the self-judgment. Like when I was listening to Laura's story and she's saying, you know, oh, I I took a nap in the middle of the day and I, I took it for as long as I wanted. And I myself, <laughs> well, I do that 
all the time. But it did take <laughs> me a while to get into that of realizing no one's watching, no one's keeping score, but I am. And it can take a long time to like not have that self-judgment. Like Tessa, you getting that that great job opportunity that looked great on paper, but not for you. Um, so I, I think to me, I, I tell my students uh, with with retiring early, uh, they call it the American dream, but it's not my dream. It was my American nightmare. So I, I think a lot of us could learn, especially our listeners, about just noticing when you're judging yourself. And is it your choice? Is it really your choice? And if it's not, then reconsider what what would work best for you, because I think that's where we have our peace when we have the courage to not live another person's life, another person's dream and do what we want, even if it doesn't look as good, because my life doesn't look as good as the wall street one, but I wouldn't trade it. I would not go back. I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy with where I am. I think that's so good, Michael. That's exactly, exactly right. Like this idea of thinking about all of these versions of what being the best looks like, of what having an amazing career looks like that is, you know, defined by somebody else, but it's so, it's all around you so much that you think it's you, you think it's what you want. And I think that's a really hard, like realization of like, oh, having this title, making this amount of money, doing this thing is what I thought I wanted, but it was really this socialization of, you know, pushing you in that direction, that it's about finding out what you really want and need. Well, if every kid, high school kid trying to get to college or thinking that they have to go to college and could hear this right now, because right now I see so much pressure on high school seniors who are trying to come out and applying to these schools. And this year um, is there's more applications. I think it's up 21% than previous years. And it and it's not more students, it's more applications because of the test optional and all of that. But I've I've heard so many stories of people just feeling incredibly disappointed because they're getting waitlisted or they're not getting into their dream school because they, you know, tomorrow want to be a doctor or a lawyer in business. And the truth is these are 17 and 18 year old kids. Like I, I am nowhere near where I thought I would at 18 years old. And it's, it's, but I think it's society. I think it's this pressure to like, what are you doing next? And where are you going? And how, you know, how are you achieving and what's going on and what's the purpose of your life? And it's a lot to figure out, especially for young people. And I know Michael, you and I have both had students who were in business school who wish they had never gone to business school. They were in business school because their parents wanted them to be in business school. And it's heartbreaking to to hear these stories because it's, first of all, it's money wasted, but also it's it's time wasted on something that you don't, and it's okay not to know. I think it's okay to explore and, and not to know. I think college is great for exploring, but I know it's it's a it's a huge investment. So, you know, take a gap year, do something different, but it doesn't have to be that linear path that I think society expects us to to live on. So we could go on and on about this topic, I think, but I think that this is probably a good place for us to stop. But thank you both. I mean, this was fun talking with you about this and sharing this experience. And I hope that people who listen feel the vibe of that and 
And, you know, I think this idea of being intentional and being open and giving yourself the space is so important. So thanks so much. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. And to our listeners, uh, if you have a dream, just make sure it's yours. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.